This is the Myeloma Team Podcast. I'm Kenny Caps. My podcast partner is Yolanda Brunson Cerebo. Getting past the obstacles that life throws at you takes a team effort. When you or someone you care about is living with multiple myeloma, it takes a myeloma team. Welcome again to the Myeloma Team Podcast. Yolanda and I are excited to speak to coach, author, speaker, patient advocate, and someone who's been living with multiple myeloma for nearly 30 years, David Emerson from PeopleBeatingCancer.org. I think you're going to be fascinated with what he has to say. According to his website, David was diagnosed with an aggressive form of multiple myeloma in 1994 after doctors discovered a massive lesion in his neck. He was in his mid-30s, and myeloma treatment was limited in the 1990s. After three years of aggressive traditional treatments, including radiation, chemotherapy, and an autologous stem cell transplant, he was told that there was no treatment that traditional oncologists could offer. That's when he found himself at the Brzezinski Research Institute for unconventional and, to this day, controversial treatment. It seems to have worked. His cancer went into remission. And David is still with us to tell us the story. Welcome, David Emerson, and thank you for being here and for sharing a part of the cancer treatment world that I'm unfamiliar with. Tell us a little bit about your journey, because it actually started back in what I consider the dark ages of multiple myeloma. Um, yes. 1994, is that right? I was diagnosed um, with um, actually early stage or pre-multiple myeloma. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, January of 1994, at the ripe old age of 34, um, which is Young, and, and a, a youngster too, because the average age still is mid 60s for right. myeloma diagnosis. So That's you're true. a youngster. That's true. But though it, it does seem like I'm coming across younger and younger myeloma patients. True. And, I, and nobody's been able to explain to me, at least, whether that's due to increased awareness um, or whether there's actually an increase in uh, people with the disease or just a, a happenstance of diagnosis. It is starting, and I do know this to be true, that there are many internists and primary care physicians that are putting that into a physical, into their physical at later ages, um, mm. uh, after the age of 50, I think now, 40, 45, 50, which still wouldn't have done anything for you or, or me or Yolanda, but, um, but yeah. That's actually, that's great to hear. It is. Um, lots of studies come out about how many, uh, <clears throat> 3% percent of the population over 60 that has uh, MGUS. Um, pre- Monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined specificity. Undetermined significance. Ooh, oh, significant. Almost. Uh, I, was, I was almost there. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and as we all know, catching cancer earlier um, and being able to manage it is a good thing for all of us. The only drawback of myeloma is that we have to live with the psychology of um, have cancer. Sure. <clears throat> yep. um, so in any case, I was diagnosed um, for the first, I'd say, four years, I did exactly what my oncologist recommended, prescribed, told me to do. 
which would be um, radiation to the site, um, and, um, induction therapy, which is a fancy way of saying the beginning therapy that all my lama patients undergo, and then um, an autologous stem cell transplant in uh, December of 95. You actually had an auto in, in 95. Wow, that seemed, that's really, I think that's probably really early in, in those days. Uh, uh, that's pretty dynamic. It was early. Um, at the time, it was considered experimental therapy, which okay. in, in theory, your health insurance doesn't cover. But uh, my, the, the, the guy that ran the program at the University Hospital here in Cleveland wrote letters and knew how to get things covered. So that's fantastic, though. I mean, seriously, because again, that's 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 groundbreaking, and I, I didn't hear a lot of people having those sorts of experiences until they passed the stem cell initiative, which was probably ten years after that. Before me, or before '94, um, the the usual standard of care therapy was melphalan prednisone. Um, you, you talk about dark ages. Oh. That's what that's what they did. That's, I've had melphalan. Oh, yeah, right. that's brutal. Yeah. So. Um, uh, at the time, I thought a stem cell transplant it was potentially curative. I thought this is great. I knew it was a lot of chemo, but I was sort of young and tough, thinking I was, you know, macho. So I can take it. Now, the history tells us otherwise. And, and in any event, left the hospital, uh, relapsed less than a year later. Um, radiation, palliative radiation. We can talk about that in a second. Basically just to manage my bone pain until um, a little less than a year later, um, my oncologist had a discussion with me that we myeloma patients never want to hear. There's nothing more we can do for you. Well-meaning, well-meaning oncologists, smart, tried everything, threw everything at me, but the kitchen sink, it just didn't work. And that, that happens in a, in a percentage of patients. Um, in any case, being it's young. Hard to, hard to hear. Uh, that was a bad, I was with my wife at the time and that, that day didn't go well. No, I imagine so, not. But um, young and otherwise, we, we didn't have a mortgage. We didn't have any kids yet. We didn't, it, life was very different back, back in, uh, it was September of 1997. Um, Got on, my wife actually is smarter than me, and she was much more high-tech and um, got on the Internet looking. While the Internet is a fraction um, then of what it is now, still she was able to find um, a place, treatment. I didn't understand anything about alternative therapies. Sure. I didn't understand the controversy. I didn't know anything about that. I just knew that I couldn't sit and do nothing. So, and I also, I also knew that I didn't want to go to Tijuana. I didn't want to go to Switzerland, Germany, whatever. We went to the Brzezinski Research Institute in Houston, Texas. Um, under started uh, in, in early November of that year, antineoplastin therapy. Uh, Ten months intravenous, seven months capsules, reached remission, bones healed, I never ever want to say I'm cured. I'll say I'm in complete remission and I work at it. We'll talk about nutrition in a, in a second. I work at all of that stuff. And, and, I, I, want to hear, and I want to hear more about the Brzezinski Institute as well. But so what year again was that that you went to Brzezinski? 
I started in um, tech, the therapy um, in, uh, on November 3rd of 1997. So 10 months of the liquid, um, it's, it's just like uh, the chemo I had undergone. Was, there was a port into my uh, vein under a clavicle, same, same thing. Sure. Um, so actually I did the therapy here in Cleveland where I live. Once a month I would go down to the clinic to get more therapy. I had to have a doctor, I had to do monthly MRIs, basically check all of my, all the blood work that you guys are used to. Sure. I had to do just to see what antineoplastic therapy was doing to me. Um, can I talk about Brzezinski for just a second? Yes, please. He, first and foremost, there's no one more controversial in the world of cancer care. You can be in a room. If, you, if any of you listening, talk, ask your oncologist, you're liable to get a right cross that some people will say he's um, the devil incarnate, though some people will say he's a god. Um, all I know is I underwent the therapy after four years of extensive conventional therapies, which didn't work. And I reached remission in, in, in seven months. So did, did, did Brzezinski, was he the one that sort of started with the, um, uh, as you call them, the anti-neoplastins? Is that right? He developed it. He, uh, saying it, invented it, he basically discovered it. Sure, sorry. Right, right. Fair enough. Yeah. He would say there's a component in blood and urine that the peptides Mm -hmm. and that um, he was able to isolate these peptides. He figured out that cancer patients have um, an absence of these peptides. Healthy people have plenty of these peptides. So he thought we'll give these peptides to cancer survivors and see how they do. The more challenges. My loma is rare, and there are very few people that have even tried antineoplastin therapy at the Brzezinski Research Institute. So it's very difficult for us to get good information, certainly no clinical trials. Um, right, so the, whether it works or doesn't work is basically based on whether somebody survives or not. Um, right. Yeah. And going, and, and to make things worse, it's, um, it's all out of pocket. It's not going to be covered by your insurance because it's experimental. So to pay for it out of pocket, I figured out that it's, it was just about the same cost as my autologous stem cell transplant, but my transplant was covered. Covered by insurance, right. Right. So um, now also get a loan from my parents. Again, a different time of life when we had no debt. It was, things were different. So... Um, in the meantime, I spent a lot of time, exercise, nutrition, supplementation, all of the things that I think uh, that studies will say are good for myeloma patients, either good for your immune system or anti-angiogenic, um, that fight myeloma. Um, I do. I think everyone should. I think every myeloma patient should. Well, everyone should. So... Briefly, that's that's my my love story. That's a lot. It's interesting. I mean, and not that this is directly comparable, but partly because I think that I've just been I just read it, and I've already told Yolanda this a while ago that I read the um, uh, what's it, the Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I love that book. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So um, it talks about the HeLa cells, of course, the perpetual. Um, you, but also, but the use of them, of course, has been controversial over the years. Not that they haven't been valuable, because they've uh, they've definitely been valued. They can certainly uh, attract the value, um, and not and you know disc you know you 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 put aside the what it's done to that family and, 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 and how it's changed the world and so forth. But it's interesting to make the comparisons with, with how they take something like that and then, or, and how there were, of course there were, there were uh, physicians back in the mid fifties um, and I guess into the sixties um, that were still, um, I'm sorry, the word is eugenicists. Is that right? Um, that basically are trying to uh, separate people um uh, um, and or seeing not seeing the value in people that are not white, um, basically, um, and so they use those um, on people on on Jews and black people and so forth. And they tested different substances on this, and so what I can see the especially a concern within the medical community, especially during when Stanislaw Brzezinski was sort of coming in, not being from this country also, and and part of sort of the uh, I would see assume the medical mainstream that they might see him as something somebody who's experimenting on people unnecessarily um, or without sort of the authority of the, the medical community as a whole. And I can see that that'd be a danger. He, um, to some degree, I, I can argue both, both sides. Sure. Because I've read and, all and, and to be, and to be, and I'm not arguing one way or the other. I could just sort of see, I could see the, um, yeah, the, 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 the feeling, the concern. He, he's a Polish doctor. Right. That, that and I don't, I don't mean to, to stereotype. And he's um, and he's um, he's basically giving um, components of urine and blood, yeah, to, to people, and he's charging yeah. for it, right? That that, that Consi- sounds- con- considerable sums. Looking on there, you know, just looking at what's been written in articles about them, it generally, um, and I think even currently, it's between seven thousand and ten thousand dollars a month that yes. patients would be paying for yes. these services, right? I did, I pay. Um, I'll just again talk about myself. Sure. The the liquid, um, mm-hmm. the intravenous antineoplastins was fourteen thousand dollars per month. This would have been nineteen ninety seven. Holy smokes! And okay, this this is this is the they build uh, Martha in the in the head account would bill my insurance. It was pretty well understood, unspoken, but understood that at some point my insurance company would stop paying because it's experimental. But Brzezinski was using CPT codes, um, mm-hmm. understood how well, it was chemotherapy, chemical therapy. Um, so they were billing and so they would charge me for half and my insurance for half. And my insurance paid for a few months and eventually it was all on me. Um, and the, the capsules were less $2,000 a month. I paid 1,000, they billed insurance 1,000. So um, there are huge issues, huge problems, yet it put me into remission. I mean, to some degree, I tell people I won the sort of the myeloma um, lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. so I have a question. So what are the statistics in terms of this type of treatment? Because I've never heard of it until you mentioned it. You know, I, I mean, I'm just clueless to this whole thing. Same. So. Are there statistics in terms of like the amount of people that have gone into remission or the amount of people that use this particular type of therapy? Brzezinski, to answer your question, there are several answers. Brzezinski does publish 
um, uh, spreadsheets about success and cancers. The, the main challenge is there are comparatively few, there are only 20 or 30 myeloma patients. And, and as we know with oncology, they'll break it into stable, partial remission. There are comparatively few complete remission. Okay. I, I don't know of anyone like me that's been in complete remission for uh, six, six to how long? Since 90, 99. Years. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, 20, 20 years in complete remission. That's um, Then I, I got to figure out what, what's Brzezinski, what's antineoplasmic therapy versus what is nutrition, supplementation, curcumin, resveratrol, all those, those things. And I can't quite come up with But, but <clears throat> where I'll go off script a little bit here, antineoplasms happen to be particularly effective at pediatric brain tumors, of all things. So certain cancers, it's more efficacious. Myeloma, lymphoma, leukemias, it's very difficult to come up with information. And I'll go on record, I don't like anecdotal testimonials. One person saying, oh, it's great, worked for me, Rick Simpson oil. Uh, I just think that's dangerous for us cancer patients, especially in myeloma. Well, especially when you're looking for hope uh, and when right. you're looking for opportunities. And so, so are you, th- then you start digging, doing that risk-benefit analysis in your head, yes. thinking, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yes. Um, and sometimes um, we don't know. Myeloma in particular. And, and many people are critical of Brzezinski exactly for the notion of, of selling hope. Uh, and I, I intellectually understand that. The problem is myeloma patients – have very few chances. People contact me all the time that are relapse refractory. They've, they've, in the beginning, we're all told about great induction therapy and great um, novel therapies and uh, autologous stem cell transplant. Really what kind of isn't mentioned is after three, five years, there aren't too many options. I mean, you can try some heavy dose chemo triplets and quadruplets, but that that falls out of the equation. So people start looking around. They 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 hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that in the I, I think that conventional oncology falls short. In the beginning, they should be talking about yes, some chemo, but also nutrition, lifestyle. I think everyone should be exercising. I I, I don't think anyone argues with that. Um, yeah, you're speaking our language. Well, you are. It's funny because, you know, Kenny and I have spoken before. Like for me, I feel sometimes with, depending on who your oncologist is, sometimes you feel like um, maybe everyone's not on the same page in terms of giving you the, the script of, okay, you have multiple myeloma. This is the treatment option, but it's the treatment option. They don't tell you. From my experience, nutrition, they don't tell you um, um, exercise. Like these are things, sometimes you feel like you have to use common sense that just because you're diagnosed with this doesn't mean that it's the whole chemical outlook of it. There's other components to try to get you, you know, stable, you know. So it's just a weird thing happening. You're absolutely right. The, the challenge is, and some good friends, I'm, I'm, I love telling people that my brother-in-law is a hematologist oncologist. 
he and I look at the world differently. We just, I say the world is round. He says the world, no, that's a bad analogy. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. We differ. <laughs> so your so brother-in-law's flat earth. I, I, what I, what I, that's, what I, that's what I heard. Can you edit that out? That, you, that's what I heard. I'm <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the, the, and he, I, I use him as an example, A, because I love him. He's probably one of the smartest guys I know. So he's not going to like it when he gets this. No, he won't. Hopefully, he won't hear. But here's the thing: he won't tell patients to exercise or supplement or eat. But he's more aggressive than I am when it comes to exercise, nutrition. He's vegetarian. Sometimes heads toward vegan. He, he's very abstemious. He's sixty-five. That's a big word. So. Because the difference for the FDA-approved, board-certified physician, they just won't talk about stuff. They can't. They, I think that there's some legal issues. They can't. The, the most they can do is say, um, "Exercise won't do any harm," or you know, "Do what you want." Or some oncologists will say, uh, "Doesn't make a difference." But hey, knock yourself out. That's that's interesting because. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, we don't really know what the thing is. I've never heard of the whole legal aspect of it. I know I'm a go-getter, so I'll just ask the questions like, look, doc, what's up? And then I'll kind of just tell you, well, this is what I'm doing. And then, as you say, it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it doesn't hurt. You know, do that, the healthy lifestyle, go for it. But it's just interesting for a lot of patients who are, like newly diagnosed and a lot of people who are fit before they were even diagnosed who worked out who had this whole thing about them in terms of exercise and nutrition and then when you hit to the doctor's office it's kind of like that's not part of the treatment conversation right away for right. some not only are you right but based on what I've learned. To some degree, there's a little bit of a generational thing. You, I've, I read your bio, bio too. You know, like, yes, you're the ultimate entrepreneur. You're the go-getter. Mm -hmm. To some degree, you're sort of young and full of energy. The older patients that I talk to, generally speaking, will do exactly what their doctors say. Yes. You know, my dad, since passed away, he had a heart issues. If his cardiologist had told him to jump off a cliff, he would have. He adored his his cardiologist. Yeah. That, that's that's my example of an older guy who will do anything, but younger uh, questioning authority. And and I'm not advising patients to not do what their oncologists say. Right. But, but you but patients have to be their own advocate. I, I strongly I, I feel that strongly. That's true. And um, when I talk to patients, the notion of it's your body. You decide what is best for you. Yeah. I think that's fair i think that's well i think it's maybe more than that because i'm not i'm not saying that your place your your decisions or thoughts or feelings about your body necessarily or at least i, I don't think that's necessarily the best thing for the individual that's living with the cancer i think that they need to listen but they also need to advocate and partly because there are times when there are opportunities either that the physician's not thinking of um, because it just it happens that you're just not thinking of a thing, or you're not, or the physician's not aware of. They're, they're people. Um, they miss things, um, and, or they're just busy. Um, sometimes you just move on, um, or a, or a lot of the standard procedural things that are going on 
are actually being is it's being deferred um, to maybe uh, a physician's assistant who's not actually up to date on maybe the latest clinical research. And again, it's changing so fast right now. Dear Lord, how, how could you not miss it? Um, so that that totally makes sense. So I guess what I'm saying by they need to advocate for themselves, basically doing what you did in 1994 or 1990, which I'm sorry, uh, uh, 97. 97, you advocated for yourself. But see, that's, that's, I, I fully admit that I got lucky that any, at any point between 94 and 97, I could have, uh, things could have gone differently. Sure. So, um, in fact, on the website, a lot of times I'll say, if I knew that, I wish I knew then what I know now. Yeah. And I'm kind of telling pe- people that are reading, you know, think, learn, learn this stuff. Yeah, nutrition, yeah. basic stuff, and base. I mean, even just the basic stuff, it, it gives right. you an opportunity, a leg up to have the discussion. Yes, um, and, and I, I have to give some credit to oncologists. It is a business. It's difficult. Sure, they really are running. So many people turn to me and say, you know, I had twenty minutes. I, I forgot why I asked questions. I and I'm sympathetic to that. You only have so much time. And, and oncologists are running. They're, they have a lot to, to contend with. Difficult. I just want conventional oncology to be only a piece of the picture. And I want you, the patient, to understand that there's this spectrum of therapies, care, all that stuff. Right. So, so if, I could, if I could read one thing, and this is a while ago, the American Cancer Society has made a statement. I mean, of course, they have to make a public statement on this because at least they, they feel like if this is sort of going to be out there anyways, they can't change that. They can't take that away from him that exists, but they know he's controversial. So they have to take a stance on this. And so, again, this was a while. In one of the articles, they, 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 and the headline in one section is, What is the Evidence? Um, with the claims. And so it just says some patients claim to have been helped by anti-neoplastin therapy. So they, 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 they said, exactly. So that would be, that would be Mr. David Emerson. Yes. But these anecdotal reports are not considered evidence of effectiveness by the medical community, either for this or for any other type of therapy. Some promising results for the use of anti-neoplastin therapy have been reported in small studies. Most of these studies were directed by Dr. Brzezinski himself. Um, which, of course, you can't do in order to, because it has to be validated by independent sources, and I believe multiple independent sources, correct, um, on clinical trials, and they set standards what those are, which we don't need to go into. Results from a few small studies conducted by one group of researchers in Japan have also been published. Um, however, the available clinical evidence consists of early phase clinical trials and best case series. Um, are you familiar with the, uh, the one in Japan, the, the case study in Japan? Yes. Okay. Uh, general statement: Outside the U.S., people are kind of Western, much more open. A to Brzezinski, B to, to non-conventional therapies. But sure, but, but keep going. <clears throat> so, all to say, yes, he is very controversial. Mm-hmm. And it's important to note that any therapy, especially chemo, mm-hmm. doesn't work at all. There are patients, there are myeloma patients who are refractory from the very beginning. That chemo just doesn't, um, there's no response at, at all. Their, their myeloma continues to grow. That's never discussed. It's, it's upwards of 20%, I think, of all newly diagnosed patients. All, and, I, and I'm not necessarily criticizing conventional oncology. I'm just saying there's no, um, there's no such thing as a silver bullet cure. Um, it's incumbent upon patients to figure out 
the spectrum and do as much. I, I advocate a shotgun approach. Do a lot of it. Scattered, yeah, scattered approach. Well, and again, you know, you talked about one of the things that I that as as a negative in some ways that they are un, that he, that Dr. Brzezinski is giving unjustifiable hope, um, and but is hope always bad? Uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's definitely a fine line. You're absolutely right. Um, I, I've talked to, to to several things. Me, Brzezinski never turned to me and said anything about cure or anything. Again, another other patients who have told me sat in his office and he said, this might work, it might not. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Likewise, uh, conventional oncology, and keep in mind, I'm a little bit jaded about conventional oncology because my experience wasn't great. You don't see me walking, but if you did, you'd see lots of side effects. I have lots of nerve damage and heart damage. and There are uh, short long-term late-stage side effects with conventional chemo, none of which were discussed by my oncologist. Um, the, the guy who managed the, the stem cell transplant program was gung-ho about the benefits of a, of a stem cell transplant. There was no discussion of the negative, the side effects. At the time, there are a percentage of people that die. That, that's never discussed. I'm not crit- criticizing conventional right. oncology. I'm just saying there's a lot we myeloma patients newly diagnosed, we have a lot to contend with. Yes, Brzezinski has strengths and weaknesses, but so does conventional oncology, strengths and weaknesses. It's interesting. I just think about this. I, um, you know, both Yolanda and I also have multiple myeloma, and um, Yolanda's in full remission. Um, and, um, by conventional means, I'm not actually, by the way. Um, so I'm still, um, actively going on my maintenance, maintenance routine every week of, of, of my, of, of the old standby now, which is Revlimid. Um, and I do low dose Revlimid. Yeah. 10 milligrams. So yeah, rel- 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 relatively. Yep. Studies showed that your longer overall survival, you didn't ask, but I just, I just thought no, I'd no. talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I appreciate it. That, that, Revlimid is uh, a class of drugs, uh, anti angiogenesis inhibitor. Sure. Same so as, technically not chemo, but right, yes. If you were to, to, to supplement it, I can yeah. show you studies, not FDA approved studies, but studies mm-hmm. that say that curcumin, <laughs> there are a number of supplements that enhance mm-hmm. the efficacy of, of Revlimid. Well, so far, it's I'm, I'm right. I just had my bone marrow uh, biopsy, my annual biopsy uh, uh, yesterday. No, mm-hmm. no, two days ago. Sorry, Tuesday. Um, and uh, I'd like to get to the point where I don't have to do, do this for a while. Um, those are not the most fun. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Um, but keep in mind, people, I, I work with lots of people who just, who for years live with a little bit of myeloma in their bodies and they're fine. As long as it's not causing bone, kidney yeah. um, right. damage. I already had bone damage from from the myeloma before. So um, because you know, it, of course, the, one of the <clears throat> one of the things that myeloma has a tendency to do is to shut down your osteoblasts, um, the enzyme that builds new bone. Um, and so it did. Apparently, did that to me for a little while. I had a couple of compression fractures and and lots of holes. I'm holy. Um, now, um, David, not to cut you off, Kane. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was going to ask you next if you would. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. Cut me off. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> um, David. I know you said something about. I forget how you worded it, but okay. So you had 
as Kenny mentioned as well, did you have um lights life? What is it? Lights um. What is it? Legions. Yeah, lesions, 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 right? Um, yes, yes. My my myeloma. Um, the main issue. I had very little um, blood or in, in urine. I, I was considered in the beginning non-secretory, which means I didn't secrete, which means that I had bone damage. Okay. Mostly in my my iliac crust, hips. Mm -hmm. um, I had big. I didn't have the little holes that you talk about, Kenny. I had the big big Swiss cheese holes. Um, a lot of bone so pain. did they heal? Because I know you mentioned something about, it seemed like you were trying to imply that something was healed. So did your bone, like, did it grow back or something? Two answers. Yes, the little ones heal. <laughs> According to um, radiologists who have looked at lots of scans and stuff, the big ones, it, it, within the first few years, they had closed, but a couple of them hadn't closed completely. Um, but... But I, by now, I think my bones, I work on that constantly. I think my bones are pretty good. I think they're, they're, they're pretty strong. I think my bones have healed. I don't know for sure. Okay. So, um, okay. Excellent. Well, I know we don't have a whole lot of time left because um, I know we're going to go in. But, David, can I ask you, would, would you uh, be willing to uh, do this again one day? Because I have so many questions uh, for you, and I found – just this little snippet of, of what you've been doing for the past 30 years, uh, uh, 26 years or something like that is fascinating. Um, I really do. It's, 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 it's different. And it's a different thing than I think either Yolanda and I experience on a day-to-day -day basis because most of what we're doing is, is uh, seeing people are in the similar circles that we are um, in, the, in the traditional oncology world so i'd love to hear more about that if that's okay um you know are you would would you be uh, but yeah, before awesome. we end, i kind of i would like us to kind of reel it back in, in terms of the nutrition aspect like oh, we yeah, have sorry. a and I, conversation I, as well but can you give us a little bit more about this flexitarian <laughs> diet like what does that consist of um several things the the blog post that you're referring to specifically talking about what's called the flexitarian diet stems from um, a, an article that I read in U.S. News World Report. They rated all these different, the Mediterranean diet, uh, there are a bunch of different diets. And to be, to be honest, people love, myeloma patients love to, to ask about nutrition. So what, what, I, what I read through this article and I read about you know, diabetes, and I've read about all these different um, comorbid issues. And I decided that basically I followed the flexitarian diet and, and several, several things. The reason why it's called flexitarian diet is because it is more flexible than the other diets. Um, red meat is a good example. It allows a little bit of red meat, not animal fat, but animal protein, important mm -hmm. distinction. Um, it, yes, it does promote heavily fruits and vegetables, and, and that's all of us myeloma patients should be focusing on fruits and vegetables. Right. Um, dairy, I've never been able to find information studies about dairy with respect to us. Mm. It's very, it's heatedly debated all over the internet, but and you can say one thing for maybe breast cancer or prostate cancer, but I've never found a study for dairy. Um, so there's so the flexitarian diet and 
the tagline, um, let me make sure I get it right, progress, not perfection, which pretty much describes my way of eating. I do cheat. And we got, you know, we live under an incurable cancer. Once in a while, uh, my son's grown now, but when he was young, a little ice cream. Uh, I even had a donut once in a while. So I need a little. That works. Yeah. Um, so, so, but important question, can, can you drink beer? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't drink beer. Um, I drink red, red wine. I'm one of those people that says resveratrol and red wine is good for you. Yeah, right. But the, the point is a, a little, uh, um, yes, alcohol is toxic, but um, you, the patient, have to figure out, just don't overdo it in moderation. Right. Is, this one of, is this one of those risk benefit things that I can go to? Well, yeah. I, I don't okay. want to get technical on you, but yeah. Um, okay. You drink too much, and you increase risks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, every night or just or long? <sighs> I can only tell you what I do. I have <laughs> My wife is a chef, so when she the certain meals every other night, that's how I play. I have one glass of red wine with pasta or with certain meals. That's the game I play. Uh, uh, and another one with the dessert? What? Uh, no. no. Um, Just I, one. I try to cut out sugar. I try to cut out carbs. Okay. Um, keeping your weight. Uh, you guys both look healthy. You look fine. But there are lots of older people that have challenges. Uh, weight causes inflammation. That's bad. Well, to be so. fair, I run. I run probably forty to fifty miles a week. So, and I swim, and I and I bike, and I do that partly because I love it, partly because then I get to have the ice cream and beer. So, mm-hmm. I can't argue with that. That's a pretty good rationale. I can't. That's pretty good. Probably. Yeah. I again, I can't say that it's the best idea, but it seems to work. <laughs> Um, as long as you're in good shape and your heart's pumping, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't endorse it for other people. Exercise is also important for bone strength. You have bone issues. Exercise is your best bone strengthening therapy. Right. So look at it that way. So Kenny, um, before we end, I have another question and quick. So, um, can you tell us briefly about your program that you help mentor cancer patients? Can you give us a little bit what that's about? Yes. I'll try to be, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to be as succinct as I can. Okay. Um, this all stems from my own experience, fumbling around in the dark for, for years. So you take, I've been studying my long pretty seriously for, for about 15 years. Boil it down to what I believe are the main issues. And there are conventional issues, the cure versus control debate. There are non-conventional issues, um, nutrition. And try to boil down the studies and make it as user-friendly as possible. It's a lot of information, and I don't take it personally if someone says, I fell asleep reading all the stuff. But uh, at least it's there if people have questions, Think about every, there's a bone health guide, there's um, a newly diagnosed patient's guide, there's an elderly patient's guide. And keep in mind, all these, if you're diagnosed at uh, either pre-myeloma or early myeloma, that's almost a different disease from late stage. A lot of bone involvement. Different therapies. Kidney, those patients that come to me that have um, extreme kidney 
involvement. There's a, there's a kidney guy. It's almost as if their focus is kidney health. Yes, a little bit, my myeloma, but their bones are fine. They don't need to worry about that. So the guide is supposed to attack every issue that myeloma patients have. Right. Maybe where could somebody go if they want more information about this? Google or search people beating cancer, all one word, people beating cancer. That's the okay. little organization I run. Um, PeopleBeatingCancer.org. Yes. Yeah, excellent. Um, that's fantastic. I, I, I love it. Um, and you do have a, a, a great story. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. Um, Yolanda, uh, thank you for making the introduction for us because I think this is a wonderful connection. And I think um, this is a, it gives us all lots to think about. And, and, and thank you for sort of understanding that there's differences in all of us and that this is an opportunity just to learn more about kind of what's going on out there. Um, right. It's something that, again, I'm unfamiliar with. And, I, 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 and Yolanda said she is too. So, so thank you. Um, and let's, let's try to connect again very soon. Um, you have I do. I do know where you are. I know what you look like. I even have your website up in front of me now. From this conversation, I have way too many tabs open. Um, I think that this is an opportunity for, well, for learning for me, like I needed to learn something else. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, but thank you. Yolanda, anything else that you wanted to say before we say goodbye no, to Mr. I Emerson? I think we learned a whole lot today. I think a lot of our listeners will learn. Education is the best thing when you're trying to beat multiple myeloma. So I think when people hear other stories, everything isn't conventional. Let's just hear everything. It's yes. about giving patients options, yes. basically. Yes. So this conversation, it was good. Thank you both. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, thank you very much, David, Yolanda. Have an awesome rest of your day and great weekend. Let's connect sometime wow. next week and maybe talk about some future uh, conversations. Okay. Yolanda, Kenny, thank you both. Thank you much. Bye. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.